Welcome everyone to today's group discussion. Does anyone have any uh, clarifications from Sunday's class? Everyone had a chance to have a look at, think about it yet? Okay. So then, uh, um, so Shashi, did you say you had a clarification? So we have a question today. Bill, you have a question. So if you'd like to ask the group. Yep. Um, so um, in most of what we read, it's stated that um, ignorance of the self creates unhappiness. And what's really Huh? Sorry? You're breaking up, that's why. It stated uh, what we're studying at the moment, that ignorance of the self creates unhappiness. Um, and whilst we're studying mm. this course, we're obviously learning about the self and gaining knowledge about it. The Calvary question. I think everyone's so, got the question on the... Uh, you're freezing, Syl. Well, I don't, I've come upstairs, so the Wi-Fi is for upstairs. I don't know what else I can do. Hmm. Okay. Maybe do you, I, I, I it put in. it on the class. Uh, um, let me read the question. question. Yeah. yeah. Let's ask it just in case. I, I can hear um, Shatanti fine. I don't know about okay. everybody else. Yeah, same here, yeah. Oh, yeah me too. Oh, you can. Okay. Your okay. internet. Ah, oh, great. Okay. So, um, I'm saying that whilst we're studying the course, we're gaining knowledge of the self, um, a relative understanding of it. So, therefore, it can be assumed that we have knowledge of the self. Um, however, why are we still sometimes unhappy then? Um, therefore, how does knowledge of the self translate into everyday happiness then? That's the question. Any clarifications to the question? The problem might be at my end actually. The Wi-Fi. Um, yeah. Does everyone understand the uh, question? Are there any clarifications? Can you all hear me? Okay. So are there any clarifications to her question? Does everyone understand her question? Please. Um, how do you mind this? Okay. Um, I, um, uh, I think we need to clarify what you mean by happiness. Yeah, it's funny, isn't it? I, um, so the text would explain it as mental agitations. That's what's classed as happiness and unhappiness, right? 
But for me, I suppose, why do we sometimes feel sad? And that's not a mental agitation. And it's not that somebody said something or done something, but we sometimes just don't feeling happy. We feel a bit sad. Sorry, when are you happy? When am I happy? Yeah, when are you happy? <laughs> Ask my husband, no. <laughs> um, the point is that we, we all are happy, but we need to understand the reason why we are happy. There's a reason behind for us being happy in any given situation. And what is that reason? That's what you must understand, I believe, first that why you are happy, then you can analyze why you are unhappy. So for me, happiness means uh, a lot of things in a sense of not just that my desire has been fulfilled, but I feel content. I don't feel like I, um, I don't feel discontented in any way. I'm happy with what I've got, where I am and you know, I'd say most, yeah, 90% of the time is very content. So therefore, I am always quite happy in that sense. But there are the odd occasional times where, of course, I, you know, I'm not in that state. And I think it would be wrong for me to assume that I should be. I don't know. Um, in relation to the question, it's, um, as you said, once you've got the knowledge, so my, my way of perceiving it would be that prior, I was, you, I may not have been as happy as before, and as I'm transitioning and gaining more knowledge, I'm more happy as in understand, once I've got the knowledge, or and I'm working through it, I am less unhappy if that makes sense i'm able to work my way through things that used to agitate me it allows me to take a step back reflect question and then so i am less unhappy than i used to be as i'm going through and increasing my knowledge of the self Do you think then ravi that that is knowledge of the self that's causing that or is it a better understanding of how people behave according to let's say their vastness okay understanding that we all have our flaws yeah. and also accepting that life is never going to be a bed of roses and coming to terms with reality um, to a certain degree i would say in in reflection is once I, I use a lot of that what agitates me is a reflection of myself so when we say we're looking at the self we're all part of the supreme self so i'm always analyzing now is that you know there's an element of me or that person that's agitating me comes from the supreme self in one way or the other it's more so how i react how i digest it and how i then reflect it back so yeah, so in, in my interpretation is that 
I question, I associate with the self and try and push my mind to think that we're, we're coming from the Supreme Self as such. So what is happiness then? As Kirk, Kirk asked, what is happiness? Less agitation to oneself. Okay, what creates agitations then? Desires, unfulfilled or fulfilled. Unfulfilled so we, desires. Guys, I'm yeah. having a problem with my internet. It's coming up as unstable. So mm. I'm just letting you know. But you know, you guys are doing well anyway, so it's not a problem. We uh, can hear you. We can hear you. That's not the issue. You guys are freezing for me sometimes. Okay. So, um, I'm just letting you know. Um, the unfulfilled desires creates agitations which then equals unhappiness so happiness means fulfilled desires yeah but then we also you've got to remember there's two types of happiness there's the happiness where we're trying to fulfill the desires but that's not true happiness true happiness is finding yourself and that true happiness is what sorry damish finding yourself completely mm. We haven't got to that state, so we don't understand what real happiness is. We, we're looking at happiness through filters still. It's what we, we're okay. telling happiness through the life as, as people tell us how happiness is. Not happiness we find working through our desires and understanding but, ourselves. But that's only now that you realize that. Exactly. Before, I've been walking with sunglasses all my life. Yeah. Not knowing. So, what has, made, what, made, what has made you take off those sunglasses? My brain has woken up. It wants more. <laughs> Knowledge. Oh, what? <laughs> knowledge. There you go. So, knowledge of what? Yourself. <laughs> Thank you. The thinker. And the... Yeah. So why why is the okay? Let's put it another way. Why is the knowledge of self make you happy? That's the same as asking why the same question. You have to chip away slowly and get to the answer. I understand. Is there any? Sorry, Tom. By understanding the barriers in front of you, and you understand everyone else has barriers as well, you're not as frustrated in life. Mm -hmm. You're asking why does knowledge of the self bring happiness then? Yes. This is your question. Mm. He's just said his, the knowledge has taken, it allowed him to take his sunglasses off. So why would it, would it be because you're now taking responsibility of yourself? It, it, it's, it's how you react. It's how you connect. That makes a difference to how you feel and your emotions. Um, I, I think one of the strongest one was that have emotions, but don't make decisions on emotional basis. Don't be emotional. Yeah, that's right.
Um, I was going to say that you have more control over your desires. So you, you reduce your desires, you use your intellect to get rid of those agitations. And so, and that comes with knowledge. The, the knowledge helps you strengthen that intellect. So it all sort of comes into play, even with um, the original question that Sorry guys, I'm not doing too well here for my side. I can hear you, Megna. Yeah, as I was gonna say, it's the knowledge of the knowledge that the self exists and then your understanding of why it exists is what helps you to get to that sort of state of happiness. So and I think also we think that you need to I don't know, maybe we're under the assumption that if we find or understand that this knowledge gets us all the way, that we're going to be happy 100% of the time, um, every, you know, every second that we're awake. And I don't think that is, in my personal opinion, that realistic. So it's what Ravel has said as well, you know, reducing the unhappiness. Um, as much as it can be, but I don't know if it's realistic to assume that we will be happy all the time. All the time yeah. Okay. So then, then am I unhappy because at more times I forget the self? Yes, quite simply. Like everything, if a desire is strong enough and it agitates you enough, you allow your brain, the thinker, to take over and not wisdom. So then, but the original question that it was asked, why is it that the self causes me happiness then? What is it about the self that causes me happiness then? Why does it cause happiness? It's the knowledge, Sito. Uh, the knowledge of the self helps you to reduce your desires. To the extent that you remove your desires is to the extent that you are happy. We're all in that relative state. We're not in the absolute state of happiness. You'll only become that when you become self-realized. So for us, most mortals, it's a relative state of happiness. So as you remove more desires, you become more happy. You're only happy when you remove desires. So to answer your question that sometimes you're unhappy is because some of your desires are still unfulfilled. And that's what's making you unhappy. And it's not the self itself, it's the, no, it's the knowledge of the self. It's mm -hmm. not, a, not that thing as a subject. How, just having it isn't enough to just cause the happiness, it's understanding that it's there, I think. Yeah, because happiness is a subjective experience rather than an objective study. Does that make it's sense? It's also an emotion, so there's, there's nothing wrong with having that emotion, 
but being aware of the self. So yeah, as you said, you may feel unhappy, but you'll accept that, you'll understand it, and you'll be able to move on quicker because you won't be making decisions using that emotion. So if I'm, if I'm right, I, there are times where I'll feel unhappy, but I could overcome it quicker than I did before. As I'm letting you carry on because my internet is very unstable here. Yeah. You're doing, you're doing very well, so I don't think you need me to. Eh? Um, Andy, if you turn your camera off, um, it will take less connection okay. power. Mm. They're just saying oh, it's unstable. Yeah, you, just that it might help you. <laughs> so I think there might be some issues with it. It takes power to have a video. That's it. Yeah. Sorry? Turn your video off. Okay, yeah, turn your video off, then you okay. can still copy speak that. Video. Is that better? Much better. Oh, great. Thank you. <laughs> well, I want that. She's happy now, Andy. Yeah, <laughs> I can all see you all, so that's the main thing. So have we answered your question? So, Yeah, I mean, I suppose when we talk about the self and um, causing happiness, so I suppose the penny has dropped, um, you know, in a sense to say that at that moment of sadness, I'm overwhelmed with either as a, a desire and I have forgotten about the self or the knowledge is not there hmm. and that's why I'm unhappy yeah. um, because I suppose if I'm thinking about my devotional aspect of it when I um, think about God then I do feel the happiest in that sense but that's my emotional, devotional part coming out, I suppose. Mm -hmm. And that's when I thought about your answer. So what is it about the self? So it's not that I'm thinking about the self that causes me the happiness. I suppose it's me thinking about the qualities of God that I, I suppose, love. Mm -hmm. And they make me really happy. So but like I feel blessed a lot of the times and I'm very content about that so that's when I feel um, the happiest so I suppose it, it wasn't um, and in relative terms you know we all want to be happy and not I suppose unhappy yeah definitely answered my question Thank you. Okay, well, I never heard any of that. So anyway, I'll <laughs> <laughs> You're smiling, so it must, be, it must have been uh, answered. <laughs> yeah. Is there any clarification? Not clarification, but what I would probably add as well is you know, I think this thing about, you know, good, bad, happy, sad, and actually, you know, ultimately, 
the self is unchanging no matter what's going on. So I think it's something about, you know, we put a lot of pressure on ourselves that we're learning this stuff and we've got to apply it. And, you know, yes, we want to, but it's, it's like a constant unfolding and evolving. And as we start peeling off these layers of conditioning, um, you know, I think that our subtle intellect will then develop and then we'll maybe experience more, you know, more happy happiness <laughs> um, more often, no matter what's going on in our lives. And they're not to have to mm -hmm. be conditions about mm -hmm. when we're happy and when we're not. So, yeah, that's what I think. Mm. Any other additions? Yeah, I'm going to say something. Yeah. I find that. Like Shito says, when she prays, she finds the most happiness. It's because her thoughts and emotions are producing good energy at that time and vibrations that makes her feel happy. But at the same time, when you're unhappy, it's the reason we become unhappy, say for instance, I say something to my partner and he's not going to act upon it or he's not going to listen. So... He's not disturbed, but I'm disturbing my mind. So I'll become happy. But if we learn ourselves that what needs to be said is said, whether he deals with it or whether I deal with it, it's said and whoever deals with it, deals with it. So then you're not becoming unhappy because you've said what you feel at that time. And then you just move on to the next phase. So then once we're less disturbed within ourselves and we are less emotional, uh, we don't prison ourselves within ourselves and we release that, then we will uh, slowly, slowly come to that state that, yes, you will be forever happy, regardless of what situation you're dealing at that moment. Okay. Any other additions? So I've got a question. Yeah, go on, Ravi. Oh, no, no, sorry. I was just going to say what Shilabhan was saying on the back of that. It was, it's, with this knowledge, I found that there's a baseline with everyone that, you know, as we said, people come with certain vastness, certain personalities. It's been to, to me, it's been able to reflect okay, that's their baseline personality you can't change that baseline personality it's being able to accept and how you react to it is what you know reduces your agitation so i've been able to sort of pause and yet again not react as i used to before because i've said well that's that person's baseline take a deep breath before you respond Especially if it's your partner. She's not here, so I'm not. Deep yeah. breath, count to <laughs> ten, and then respond. Uh, Andy, can you hear me? Yeah. Uh, I just want to ask, have you covered the mathematical equation for happiness? Uh, no, you can bring it in. It's not a problem. I probably, probably have covered it, but somebody may have yeah. not heard it. So... There is a mathematical equation for happiness, 
and it goes like this, that it's a mathematical quotient where the numerator, the number on top of the line, is the number of desires uh, fulfilled divided by the number of desires entertained in total. in total that you have. So you can work on either one or the other to increase your happiness. So if you entertain more desires, you have less desires compared to your total number. So therefore you are more happier. So really, one is, because we live in a world where it's relative happiness, relative means that it's not absolute. That means we haven't got rid of all of our desires. So the more desires we fulfill, the more happier we relatively become. So to the extent that you fulfill your desires, that is the extent to which you will be happier. See, the question is, how many desires do we have? Mm. This is the problem. It's different for everyone. Mm. It's, it's more straightforward to reduce the, the bottom number of the total number of desires than fulfilling. Because fulfilling, I think, is more difficult because you don't know what ones you're fulfilling or you don't know at what point you might fulfill them. So the point mm. is to use, try, yeah, to try and use your intellect to reduce the, the total number if you can, you know, by eliminating them completely, mm. you probably get to that happiness. Uh, it's, like a, it's like a bank balance. Yeah. How much money you have in the bank based on how much, what you want to buy. If you have more money than your list, then you're rich and you're happy. If, you ha if your list is longer than the bank balance, then you will be unhappy. Will it also reflect on um, needs and wants? So when you have desires, if you use the, um, you know, what we've been taught is what's a need and what's a want, allows you to overcome that. Um, sometimes you don't need to fulfill it. If you were able to take the pause and question why you, why you have that desire, do you need it or do you want it? So that's where the intellect comes in. The mind will pop up the uh, desire. The intellect has to, if it passes for the intellect, the intellect decides, yes, I need to do this, then that's fine. The intellect says, no, I don't think I need to do this. Then you eliminate it. It depends how strong the desire is, how strong, how much fuel you've given that desire. You've been thinking about it for days and days, and it becomes more difficult. But if it just pops up and you're able to eliminate it, then it's easier. You experiment, you'll try it. More few, more you think about the desire, the more stronger it gets. If you don't pay any attention, it disappears. So what about, sorry. No, no, sorry. I was going to say, it's also using the knowledge to understand the desire and to see if it's something that could be relinquished through knowledge or in you know, the extreme circumstances you have to relinquish you through experience. Yeah. Depends on the strength of the strong, how strong the desire. Some can be relinquished. Some has to be exhausted for experience. You have to get that second scoop. The desire is too strong. Mm -hmm. 
what's the relation with um, good desires then? So for me, a good desire would be that um, you want to be unselfish, you want to, um, I don't know, do more charity, um, you, in my career, I want to be the best health visitor that there is so that I support as many people as I can. That those are relatively good desires as such, but they would still sometimes cause me unhappiness if I feel like I haven't been or done the best to my ability. Or does it not matter? Any type of desire is just... Shito, yeah. I was just going to say, regardless of whether it's a good desire uh, or you classify a good desire or it's a bad desire, desires desire. So if you can't fulfill it, both will give you agitation and unhappiness. But nobody's perfect, Dipa, so then therefore, if I'm achieving for perfection, then I'm always going to be unhappy. I think the problem with perfection being a, having perfectionism tendencies in my life playing out all the time, um, is there's a lot of attachment to the outcome. And then if you don't achieve it, you beat yourself up. <clears throat> and... So at, uh, I think from Sunday's class, we were talking about um, letting go of, what was it, attachments. It's attachments and conditioning. Um, and I think, I think it's, uh, there's not, I don't think there's anything wrong with striving for the best and, you know, doing your best in everything that you do. Um, but actually it's then, if something went wrong or someone got in the way and interfered with that, would that then make you frustrated and agitated? And it's about doing your best and letting go of the results almost, because you know, you've tried your best. Um, it's not about not bothering. So yes, yeah, so I think it's that attachment that's the hardest thing to let go of personally for me. Also, what, what's the baseline for perfection? By whose guideline are you using perfection? So yeah, that, that's also obviously- Of course my own, yourself. Ravi, of course my own. <laughs> this is uh, it's Aruna here. I, I was just saying, Shitel. Then I think then we're putting so much pressure on ourselves to say we want to be the best. Yes, we all want to be the best in everything we do, but by letting go and, and not putting so much pressure on ourselves, we actually will be able to do so much better. And if we accept, I think acceptance is a huge thing for. Uh, ourselves as well as accepting things in others and that takes the pressure off and it just mm -hmm. makes you, you know the, the edge we can come to terms with what there is rather than saying so it's, it's almost like a stable state so you know uh, just just helping yourself actually helping ourselves 
taking that pressure off. The world gives us enough pressure. Why should we add more pressure to ourselves? And it's not the world's fault either because we all function in a different way. We just got to help ourselves along. Mm -hmm. And you probably are very good health visitor anyway, I'm sure. <laughs> Questionable, depends who you ask. Now there you are, you're putting pressure on yourself. <laughs> Ashna <laughs> had something to say. Um, I was going to say that it's it's general sort of expectation, isn't it, of either yourself or other people. If those expectations aren't met, you're always going to have that ag agitation and upset mm -hmm. that it hasn't been that way. So I think it ties into what we spoke about a few weeks ago with the the goals that we set, I think it was our actions um, and the different, you know, Satvik, Rajas, Tamas, in that sense that we set those goals and we should just focus on doing the goal and not worrying about if it's going to happen or not in the end, um, because that won't, that's going to negatively affect if that goal even gets achieved. So it's doing what you need to do, not expecting to be the best at it you'll get there probably quicker than wanting to be the best at it and you know you negatively sort of affecting yourself you become a hindrance to to your own sort of goals basically mm -hmm. that's the way i see it so like you said sort of with the exams worrying about the result and not actually revising for the exam which is you know something that i do myself so it's trying to just yes yeah, stay focused and not worry about you know past or present and that's sort of just concentration on what the goal that you want to achieve, really. Ravi has something to add. I was just going to add what Meghna said. Well, I mean, when I started on the course, I mean, I, I've been in sales for so many years and that. And you get caught up in achieving and focusing on the goal itself. On, so you look at, you know, uh, anyone in sales will know you're good as the month end and you're bad as the day, day one of each month. So I used to focus a lot on where I need to be at the end of the month without focusing on how I'm going to get there. So after through the knowledge and just sort of refining myself, as, as Megna said, if you concentrate on today and you focus on what needs to be done at hand, the goal, to be honest, will achieve itself. And I will say it has done in practice. So by putting it into practice, it's allowed me to achieve and concentrate and focus on today, either in revision or in my case, you know, just concentrate and put the best as you can today when you're speaking to customers, what you're presenting to them. As long as you know where the goal is, put that to one side, but work on every day and each day and each moment and give it 100%. And that's what allows you to achieve that goal. If you give it 100%, then um, you can't do more than that. You can't do more than that. Then you know, it, it's all based on um, the laws of the world, really. You can't do more than what, what you're trying to do. But you have to be true to yourself. If you haven't given 100% and things don't work out, then you know why. Simple as that. But, yeah, Deepak. Um, it's me, Andy. Um, 
I just want to tie up what three people have just said two minutes ago. One mm -hmm. is what Neelam has said about us being goal orientated. Um, what Arunabhain has said is about us, us you know, uh, too worried about results and uh, what Rav has said also. Uh, yeah. Let's not forget that the whole Bhagavad Gita, it takes 18 chapters for Krishna to convince uh, Arjun to, because he collapsed because of his attachments to that, who I have to fight and everything like that. So it took Krishna 18 chapters to convince him, basically, even though he was a warrior, to plunge into action and not worry about the result, not worry about your attachments. So I think we should take a lot from what the scriptures say, and uh, especially like in the Bhagavad Gita, and uh, learn from that and how we how we can develop ourselves as individuals, you know? One of the main lessons from the Bhagavad Gita is that everyone is a hero until they come to face adversities in our lives. And that applies to all of us. Yep. We all think we are perfect, but until we face the challenges and the scriptures give us the opportunity to reflect, stand back and learn how to deal with life and that's what the Bhagavad Gita is about and I think we could you know we learn most from that. See is um I mean I don't know if this makes sense but the minute we identify with our material layers our body mind intellect we we ourselves make ourselves limited. We we automatically um become a slave to that. So whatever happens to, to that happens to us and we're affected by it. The minute we identify with our true personality, we're not affected by anything. And this is exactly what, what uh, Kirk is saying in the Bhagavad Gita. If you're identifying, if Arjuna is identifying with his emotions, his attachments, so it makes him limited, he can't function. Many identifies with his true personality, then there's no issues. And this is the whole exercise. So by learning the knowledge of the self, what you're actually doing is learning about your true personality. See, with this knowledge, yeah? So I'm sort of highlighting the question now and um, just from my notes, which I made a few minutes before classes, First, with this knowledge, what's happening? You're learning the laws of life, which you didn't know before. You're learning what cause and effect. That makes, that makes you understand that I'm in control of my own, my own future, my own personality. You're learning about vasanas. This is me. This is him. This is her. They all act based on their vasanas. They can't help themselves. Yeah? You're learning about your material layers of body, mind, intellect, how they function. All this knowledge helps you to understand life better. And we don't learn that anywhere else. And as you understand life better, people better, your feelings better, it also gives you a sense of purpose in life. So your goal is to reach this state. So it gives you a feeling of purpose. So all this knowledge helps you 
to understand yourself and the world better. And you're then able to navigate through the world better. You're able to understand how to contact the world. You're able to understand your personality, fellow people, fellow beings' personality, your partners, your children, your family, your workers. So therefore, you're less agitated because you, you understand why is they behaving that way. What can I do? And everything's listed there. Everything, everything's written there how you must behave. And ultimately, if you want to reduce your desires, ask yourself one thing. When a desire pops up, what is that? Anybody? Bill? Is this taking me to the self or away from You answered your own question. Is this desire by fulfilling it going to take me closer to the self? If the answer is yes, fulfill it. If the answer is no, get rid of it. See, a person has nothing. He's offered everything, but his goal in life is to get to the self. He just says, take it away. Don't want it. I don't want it. It's no good to him. It's not going to take him closer to the self. If anything, it's going to take him away from it. So he rejects everything, unless it's going to help him to take it, take him to the self. Why? Because that is your true personality. You are not who you think you are. And you're trying to get back to your true personality. Until you get there, you will always feel a sense of unfulfillment. Always. It's like that analogy, you know, about the spring as you spring four feet high, as you press it down, there's pressure. Yeah, as you release it, the pressure becomes less, less, less until you, 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 let, you let it take its true form, then there's no pressure. So everyone's feeling pressure in life. Why? Because you've not reached your true personality, the self, which is who you are, Atman, Brahman. So you'll always feel this, it's natural. And that's why you're, you're going for this. It's just now that you understand, you realize this. That's why. Most people are ignorant of all this. And they just get on with life as normal. With their ups and downs. Even with knowledge comes agitations. Because you start, uh, you start uh, looking within and saying, why am I like this? Why am I like that? You know, until, until this... Knowledge, you're, everyone was perfect. Now you're criticizing your own personality. Is there any clarifications to that? Does it make sense? Well, yeah, this is the problem. So we'll always feel some form of fulfillment because we're not who we, who we are supposed to be. We're not our true personality. But questioning, understanding will help us to get there. And as I said, on the journey, the side effect is peace and happiness. As you've all sta stated, that since you've been coming through these classes and taking on this knowledge, you know, you're now looking at the world without your sunglasses. Ravi said that 
you know, it's helped him analyze people better. So this is all leads to um, becoming a better human being, better understanding life. Okay, any other additions or clarifications? So, but that's the ultimate, what we just said. Any other clarifications, additions? So I was reading this book this morning, which we bought from Rishikesh from one of the ashrams. It's labeled God exists and it proves that God exists through many different uh, anagrams. So I'll just read a few, uh, I mean, it's quite long, but I'll just read a few uh, uh, excerpts of it. Where is God? There is nowhere where he is not. Just as one thread penetrates all the flowers in a garland. So also, oneself penetrates all these living beings. He is hidden in all beings and forms, like oil in seed, butter in milk, mind in brain, fetus in the womb, sun behind the clouds, fire in wood, vapor in the atmosphere, salt in water, sound in the gramophone records, gold in quartz, microbes in blood. God dwells in all beings as life and consciousness. God is in the roar of a lion, the song of a bird, and the cry of a babe. Feel his presence everywhere. I mean, it goes on and on, but I just wanted to share that with you. So who is God? Where is God? This sort of gives you some ideas. Fire in wood. If I give you a piece of wood and I said, where's the fire? You can't find it, but we all agree. The fire is in the wood, isn't it? Only when you burn the wood, there becomes fire. So but the fire is contained in the wood. Butter in milk. If I give you a glass, glass of milk and say, show me the butter. Can you show me the butter? But, but milk becomes butter, doesn't it? Similarly, what they're trying to say is that God is everywhere. You may not see it. You may not hear it. But God is within everyone. Just like butter in milk, fire in wood. So I just thought I'll share that with you, because um, I think it would be nice to end, end with that sort of uh, notion of what God is. Yeah, so you think about it. It's thought-provoking, that's why. Great. Any other additions, clarifications? No, thank you. That was good. Great. I think you guys did really well. Good group, group discussion. You should all be proud of yourself. And this is how it should be every Wednesday. You, got, you should be all be thinking. There's no wrong answer. And we can all help each other with our own experiences.
Great. Thank you again. And considering Thank you're you. in Coventry, we shouldn't be speaking to you. Because you've been sent to Coventry. <laughs> Great. So, uh, Thank you. Welcome. Thank you all Thank so you. much. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you.